Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm your host, I'm Nathan Van Koops, and tonight I am joined by one of my favorite fellow podcasters, Julie Strauss. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you, Nathan. It is a delight to be here. I've been looking forward to this um, because we I was recently on your podcast, which was fantastic, and earlier today I was listening to your podcast, as I do every week, um, because it is <laughs> delightful. Um, and I, I was just, I can't wait to share more about, about you and your podcast with, um, any of my listeners and viewers who have not yet learned about it because it's such, such a cool concept. Um, for people who are, are not aware, like tell people a little bit about you, like what, what you write to as a writer and then, um, then we'll eventually dive into your, your brilliant podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, your episode, by the way, is very popular. I will say on the stats, yeah. it's always I always love looking at that to see who's interested, to see who's uh, garnering a lot of following. And yours is very popular. Um, so I am a writer and editor. I live in Southern California. I've got four kids, and I have to this point only published contemporary romance and women's fiction. Although I write a lot of other genres, I just haven't published yet them. And um, this year I also started the podcast and got a little free library. I'm just kind of all about books everywhere all the time. I just got a little free library this year, too, as a birthday present for my wife. I know. I saw it on your Instagram. I never knew what a cool group of people there are in, in that. I never knew it came with it, its own little society of librarians. <laughs> This was a surprise. I thought you just got the little library and then you just like you were a yeah. little solo act. No, no, there's a whole group of librarians that you can like connect with and share yeah, books and with. Yeah, and people ah. travel to them. Like they do. people like to go. It's so cool. Yeah, so let me ask you, have you like, is there a, is there a theme to your little free library? Like, are you noticing certain books go and certain books kind of sit there forever? Or like, I'm just um, really curious. What's going to happen with ours? What What's going to come off the shelves and what's going to stay mm -hmm. there? Mine's so new that it had a little rush of early people who were just like, oh, welcome to the group. And there was other librarians coming by to visit it. And it's still fresh to people who are like, people are still walking back. What, what is that? You know, what, where did that <laughs> yeah. come from? We put Christmas lights on it, though. So now it has a little bit more attraction so that like it's lit oh, up. Oh, that's clever. Um, so hopefully get a little more traffic. But I've been going out and rotating them. It's mostly just me and my daughter walking yeah. out to the front. Hey, let's switch out some books. You know, and have, it's a fun little outing to the front yard. Because <laughs> that's what yeah, yeah. outings are like these days. Do you put your own books in it? I do. I have. I have put some in ah, there. I'll just slip a couple in, you know, and sign copies <laughs> and give them away. Uh, which right. Is, which is fun. But yeah. yeah, why not? Do you? Do you put yours in there too? Absolutely. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's free, it's free advertising, right? <laughs> And I have a whole bunch of um, uh, bookmarks and some mm -hmm. of the swag from the podcast out there, too, because I figure, why not? These are yeah. readers. Right? Even, Absolutely. If the casual reader, they're going to want to listen. And I really like your branding for Best Book Ever. I just think it's <laughs> the colors, every all of it. I'm just like, wow, this is just really well made. Um, well, I get no credit for that. The gal who does my cover designs, I told her what I was doing and... Uh, she created all of it for me, so What's her I, don't, name? I don't have any of that. Can we give her, her a shout-out? Yes, absolutely. Her name's Emily Wittig, W-I-T-T-I-G. She is brilliant. She does yeah. absolutely stunning covers. I really like, um, yeah, I like your covers. I, I went and looked at your covers. I, I, I like those, and I also, but I just really like Best Book Ever, the, the simplicity of it, the, the color scheme you did. Yeah. I like the, the way that you're branding it, even doing, you know, best book ever COVID masks for your Patreon supporters, <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like, have you done podcasts before? Is, is best book ever your first podcast or have you done another one? No, I'm brand new to all of it. That surprises me because you do such a professional <laughs> job. I feel like you just came out of the gate swinging with like this really professional podcast with a great looking logo. <laughs> And, you know, great branding and a, and a uh, Patreon and everything. And I'm like, I'm over here. Like, I feel like I'm like the, the Between Two Ferns podcast. Where, like, <laughs> I, maybe not as funny because Zach Galifianakis yeah. is hilarious. But, like, this low-budget little yeah. podcast where, like, every once in a while, like, Barack Obama. Like, every time Lucy's Score comes on my podcast, right. that's basically, like, me and Barack Obama 
like on best <laughs> two, between two friends. That's how that's how it works. Yeah. Well, first of all, I have never noticed that about your podcast <laughs> or your show. I always think it's very professional, mm. and I've you know very much followed what you do to try to learn from you. But the other thing is, is that um, I'm someone who thinks about decisions forever before I start them. And um, I don't like to be rushed and I don't like to, I'm not a person who leaps without knowing things. And um, I turned this idea over in my head for two years and I thought I sort of knew what I wanted to do and I kept playing with it and I kept thinking, maybe I should invite my best friends to do this with me and it's all five of us every week or maybe it should be this. And I had all sorts of, and, and in, I just kept, marinating until it sort of clicked and then it mm -hmm. felt right and I knew from I listened to a lot of podcasts and I listened to a lot of book podcasts and I just knew what I wanted and what I didn't want which I think is more important even I just I just wanted it to come out right off the bat with a certain look so that I could continue on on that path knowing exactly what I wanted without of course everybody makes mistakes at the beginning I've made a million mistakes but I felt really confident that I had my vision in place before I started. What What are some of the things you think that you got really right at? Well, maybe we can talk about some of your mistakes too, but what are some of the things that you think you like nailed because you thought about them in advance and executed them? Um, I knew what the format was supposed to look like in advance, which was we're just here to get to know my guests. Mm -hmm. And the book is really important. It is a it is a book podcast. But to me, the question, what's your favorite book has always been how I get to know people. Um, you know, you identify as an extrovert. I am a big time introvertiest introvert who ever lived. Mm -hmm. And when I am with people, it's it's generally my question because I I'm just not good at small talk. I'm not good at you know, little, I just, I'm not good at it. I'm awkward in those conversations. And so where I am comfortable, where I fit is tell me what you're reading. And even if the answer is I don't read or I hate reading, I, why, you know, that's always the next question. I am equally interested in that. I'm, well, I'm, I'm more interested in readers, but <laughs> you pretend to be yeah. interested in the non-readers as well. I, Gracious because I always want to, Right, exactly. Well, I just want to know, like, why don't you read? Because that's an important question. What, what turns you off from that? As a mom and as a writer, I do want to know what, what steered you away from that. Mm -hmm. So that was always going to be the focus of the podcast for me was tell me what, tell me a book that means something to you, even if you're non-writer. And, and I think everyone, even non-readers, have a book where they go, I, I, I'm not a reader, but there was this one book. And I just want to know why, because that tells me something about them mm -hmm. that is, that can really lead to a connection, I think. And today's episode, we should mention is that has come out just today is, is a delight because of the fact that you not, you don't just get one guest, you get multiple guests. And they're yes. across a, a variety of age groups, starting from like five years old was your youngest. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, up through the teen years. And it is so much fun listening <laughs> to these kids talk about their favorite books and what they get out of yeah. them and um, just seeing their development as readers, just in these little snippets, these little five minutes that you're getting from each kid. Where did you come up with that idea? Because it is brilliant. Actually, that was my oldest son's idea, and he is he's in the, that episode. And he was talking about that I should have each of my kids as guests on the podcast and I kind of went, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. And then he said, why don't you do a Christmas one? That's like a gift giving guide. Yeah. And, and it immediately made sense. Cause I know mm -hmm. a whole bunch of what I talk to kids about too. Always. It's, yeah. it's the first thing I will ask kids is tell me your favorite book. Show me what you're reading right now. And, um, will you read it to me if they're really little, that kind of stuff. It's, it's the best yeah. thing to ask kids. Because all of us have nieces and nephews or grandkids or kids or, mm -hmm. you know, friends, kids, friends. And, and a book is always a good gift. If you know what they like and you yeah. know what they're reading, it's a great gift um, for so many reasons. 
it's a you know for their future for yeah. our future you know every, kids reading is always a good thing so i think it was a great yeah. idea to do this gift giving episode because i mean i have a nephew who's 12 yeah i would love to oh, know what other 12 year olds are reading so that i can send him a book this year in addition to whatever else he wants um yeah maybe, hey and also maybe try this i hear it's great right yeah. yeah, you're going to be set. I hope it becomes an annual thing because honestly, it was my. I have loved every episode so far, but this one I think was my favorite to take because they just crack me up. Kids yeah. are just funny. Yeah, they are, and it comes through too in your in your interview style with them, and you can tell that you're having yeah. fun with it. And I'm sure yeah. you had the conversations <laughs> went on a lot longer than what you edited them down to. I'm sure you you know had. Oh yeah good size conversation with these kids. So you got, it was probably tough. Was it tough to edit that down to, to a reasonable size? It was, but a lot of it, particularly the younger kids, when you ask them what their favorite book is, you know, we were on zoom, but they just want to show me the book and they would keep holding up the pages. Yeah. And I would say, tell me what that page, tell me what's on that page. And they would go, yeah. it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to really yeah. pull some of those answers out yeah. of them. You so yeah, the young, I had to, the younger ones were definitely like, answer short answer that's it you can't possibly want anything else because i just answered your question it's the book about spider-man i don't know what to tell you (laughs) you can almost hear in his voice and you're like well who's spider-man you're like are you kidding me have you never heard about spider-man like what's wrong with you yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that was that was really good and i but i've listened to you I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't think I've listened to every podcast episode you've done, but close to it, I've listened to, to quite a few. And I did. I did notice that in certain episodes, um, for example, the one where you interviewed the one who was a fine artist who was making ceramics, and um, oh, you said you have a mug right. that he had made. Yes, I don't know if it's. I have it right here, actually. But I was listening to that episode. Oh, that that is beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. So I was listening to the audio and you know wanted to see what it looked like. Yeah, it's it's the perfect size, and it's got this little lip in it, yeah. so you're, it fits perfectly on your mouth, and it's like this glazed blue inside. Oh, my God. I can't. Yeah. I'm very serious about my coffee and tea, so it's, it's an that mug is in my hand. It um, truly is. But I was surprised that, you know, the majority of the episode was not about his favorite book at all. It was very much about right. him and his story and the journey, which then tied into what his favorite book was. Um, right. And he was one of the ones who freely admitted that he is not a reader. And this mm-hmm. is the one book that really, truly meant something to him, which I think is equally fascinating. Yeah. And fascinating here, to right. talk to anyway, because yeah. of the overlap of um, how, how do you do what you do is fascinating to me for creative people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. And um, and the 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 idea of creativity it comes out in so many different ways so so many um, so many types of artists and the way our brains work are of course all differently and even the way we probably interact with the podcast is differently where you, you know me I showed up ready to debate um, you know <laughs> this book is absolutely the best book ever and, and these are my reasons I can tell you all the reasons why um, yeah and I can kind of compare That's that great. attitude to some of the other guests I've seen, and I'm like, oh, that's how they handled this. They were way more relaxed than I was. <laughs> <laughs> I loved your fighting spirit. And come on, there's yeah. nothing better than being mm-hmm. that fierce about a book. I have books that I'm like that about, too. Like, absolutely. Um, Mark Lefebvre was, was kind enough to post a link to that episode in in the comments of this show already. Uh-oh. That way I don't I don't have to do it. Um, he, already, he already posted <laughs> it up for me. But... Um, I oh, see Amy Teagan's watching. That's oh, that's great. I, I I love having Amy on. Um, she was an early guest of the show. Um, Mark says couldn't agree more. There's always at least one book. Yeah, somebody's always got something that's touched them. I think that's a great yeah um, concept. Um, yeah. Where do you see like so? That's a, that's going to be a hopefully a, a seasonal episode, the gift giving episode. Have there been other ones along the way where, where you've kind of thought, come up with ideas that have steered you in new directions as you went along? No. Um, nothing has really changed my initial plan. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely a lot of the guests I can't wait to have back and to mm-hmm. hear if 
I get the feeling your favorite book is not going to change anytime soon. But if <laughs> if it does, I would love to have you back on. And yeah. and Mark, you were just talking about Mark. Um, yeah. For example, Mark, um, I've known him for many years, and I I always thought I knew his favorite book because we've discussed it many times. Mm-hmm. And then I had it all set to go, and then he said, you know what, I'm going to choose this book instead. And I went, oh, okay, that's fine. And then he changed it a third time. And it was so fun to talk to him about something that I didn't know. It's really fun to talk to people that I know well because they surprise me with their actual favorites. Mm -hmm. And and I can't wait to have him on again because one of his other favorites is also one of mine. So I think that is one thing that I didn't expect or anticipate is that I am very eager to get repeat guests and say, has your opinion had your favorite change? Do you have another favorite that you want to talk about as you get older? Does, does it, is your reading life different? I think that's a really fascinating question. And that's always the heart of it as well as what is your relationship to books in your life? I always ask people, were you a reader when you were growing up? You know, what role did books play in your life? Because I think it's a really significant question. Were you raised around books? Were your parents readers? Um, what's your, what's your answer to that question? My both of my parents are avid readers. My dad is almost strictly nonfiction. My mom is kind of everything in fiction, and both of them always, always had books in their hands. And I remember um, picking up my mom's books and pretending I, I would sit next to her and pretend I could. I was. I would say I'm reading with my mom, and I would sit there. And I, of course, I, I didn't know how to read at yeah. the time, and I would just be probably holding a Daniel Steele or something. Mm-hmm. And I was reading with my mom. So that it was always, and also with my mom, it was always the, I was really anxious as a kid. And it was always what she told me to do. If I, and I've, I've had insomnia since I was a child and I would go downstairs and say, I can't sleep. I'm scared. I'm this, I'm that. And she would say, go read a book. You know, it doesn't matter. Read all night. Stay up all night reading. If it was like always the um, medicine for what was ailing my brain. And so it's always been treated as um, a form of self-care. In addition to, I mean, definitely it's entertainment, but also mm-hmm. a form of soothing in, yeah. in my family. Yeah. I've heard of families, too, that have traditions like that that are very supportive of reading. Um, ben Hale, I talked to him one time, and he said that when he grew up, there was bedtime, And then there was, if you're reading a book bedtime, and it was always half hour later. So you always got an extra half hour if you were reading. And that's something that I definitely want to do with my kids, because if that's their way, because my my daughter fights bedtime all the time. She's like, bedtime, man, I don't want to do that. You know, and uh, she will do anything (laughs) if it means not having to go to bed. So when she's old enough to read on her own, I'll be like, all right, well, you can stay up a little bit later if you read a book. And I know how well that's going to serve her down the road. Yeah. And the too. trick with that, I'll give you a little parenting trick. The trick with that is you tell her um, half hour extra if you stay up reading and then forget the time. And so then you go in and, oh, my gosh, it's been 45 minutes. Go to bed. <laughs> she gets to have that feeling of, oh, I put one over on my dad. I'm so cool. Oh, it's the like, best trick. And then you're like, yeah, you won. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I forgot bedtime a lot if they were reading because I always yeah. just felt like read. I don't care, just read a book. Yeah, that's a really great parenting trick. So, <laughs> I have to ask this question because I'm sure I mean people ask it all the time. But what's your best book ever? <laughs> people do ask me all the time, and yeah. um, so my. All-time Desert Island favorite is a book called Howard's End by Mm. E.M. Forrester. And um, it is a book that I reread at least once a year, sometimes more. And it's both a comfort read and also a challenging read for me. It's comfortable because I know it so well. But it's also challenging because um, every time I read it, I'm blown away by the plot structure I, I can't explain why this is, but when I read it, it 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 makes this ladder in my head, and the way it sort of keeps connecting, 
I don't know how to explain it, but it, like there's there is this structure to it that I think is perfection. Mm-hmm. And every time I read it, it's relevant to the day and age. It's, it was published in 1910, and I am blown away. Rereading it in 2020 was mind blowing how relevant it was. And I think that every time I read it, and I don't know how that's possible for a book that's 110 years old. Yeah. And I think that it's because, I mean, my answer to that question is because that we change so much, like around those structures in our minds, around those (laughs) books that we love that have formed us. Therefore, the time that we're living in is interacting with us in a way that's already formed by these books. And this is getting abstract, but like, I think that there's so much of our particular character that is shaped by books as readers, especially as from, from our youth that, yeah. That I think every time we kind of touch home base, which is these books, it kind of like resets our view of the world in context to like where we're standing, which is, that book I, I, and that's just my way of looking at it but like i've i've reread books multiple times where, but it's like you kind of like come back to where when we face adversity when we face problems we come back to where we're safe and so part of where we're safe is our inner strength and a lot of our inner strength comes from books that's my that's just i'm not really explaining this fully but that's just my like t- today when i was listening to your podcast for example there was one of those kids you interviewed who was listening to the same book over and over every night when he went to bed, that type of connection to a book like forms you, like you, like my relationship to a tray and the never ending story was formative to, to my character. Um, and I can look at ways that I interact with my relationships with my marriage that can point back to a character lesson I learned from that book. So I think, and this is just my theory, but I think that when we approach something as awful as the year 2020, we have yeah. to kind of touch home base and be like, I'm grounding here. I'm grounding. Okay. Now I can deal with this. Like, cause this thread, this home base goes back to my youth. This goes to the yeah. deep core. I'm anchored to something really solid. I don't know if there's much more solid than like at the core character we've built from a book. Yeah. What an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I don't know. That that's I just like, my that's just I my like hypothesis, that. but I don't know if No, it's it's the idea that a book is a touchstone mm-hmm. and that every time we go back to it and we're reminded of the person we were the first time we read it and we are also reminded of I'm a very different person mm-hmm. than I think the first time I read Howard Zen was, um, I believe it was around 92 or 93. Yeah. That was a really long time ago. I am a very, very different person. Mm -hmm. And so it's fascinating to see who I am each time. And and every time I open it, I also am a big uh, writer and underliner and note taker in books. And it is fascinating to look at and go, I wonder why I underline that. I, well, I know why I did, and that was interesting. That didn't work out the way I thought it would. And it, it's just really fascinating to have those books that are touchstones. I think it's a really solid way to get to know yourself and to observe how you've changed in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like a form of journaling or something. But, mm, yeah. But on a deeper, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And, um, and I think there's something to be said about just even just the act of rereading books, because not everyone does that. Not everyone rereads books. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are like, I read that book. I never need to read that book again. And it's just gone. Right. And, and of course, everyone has those books. They're like, mm, yep, I don't need to read that one again. Same with movies or whatever. Um, but then we come back to those favorites. We come back to the ones that yeah. tell us something new, inform us something new. And I was thinking about that today, even when I was listening to your podcast today, with these kids' books and thinking about some of the other kids' books I've read, even like little ones to my mm-hmm. little girl, and the ones that connect. Like tonight I read uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas to mm-hmm. her. And it's such a good story because it has a kernel of truth in it. It has something mm-hmm. real. Whereas there's another book we've got on the shelf called Dragons Love Tacos. There's no truth in that book. It's all just about 
I, I love dragons and I love tacos and I hate that book but I won't read that book if unless my you know my daughter yeah. makes me because of the fact that it doesn't have it's, it's fluff it, there's nothing in, there's no truth in there there's nothing to hold on to yeah, uh, yeah. and somehow it became a New York Times bestseller and I'm sorry to whoever the author is I'm sorry that I'm bashing your book but like <laughs> it didn't work How the Greatest Stole Christmas not only is it brilliantly written and a wonderful poem, just in the the lyricism of it, like the just just reading it is fun. It comes out of your mouth yeah. fun. But then yeah. at the end, it's just got such a really excellent point about the point of Christmas being not the presents. Like it's just it's it's a little bit of truth. And if the book has that little bit of truth, we'll keep going back to it because we still need that truth. That's right. You know, and we all, of course, we've all mined for truth in different books. But yeah. I think the people that don't reread um, are missing out, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't get that. I love rereading books. Love it. Sometimes it's hard to convince yourself to because you, your to-be-read pile is so so high. Is massive. Yours yeah. must be incredible because you're, you're reading. The fact yeah. that you're setting out to read a book every time you do a podcast I am blown yeah. away by that. In addition to my own reading. And then every time I talk to someone, as I ask them those questions, tell me about your reading life and tell me what you normally read and um, tell me your go-to genres. And it just mushrooms. And I always wind up with this list. And I think, well, the way she just, I would never read that, but the way she described it, that sounds fantastic. I got to get that one and try it out. Mm -hmm. Every single one is a personal conversation, and that's where I get most of my book recommendations anyway, is mm -hmm. my friends telling me, you got to, I thought of you when I read this, you've got to pick this book up. And so I come out of those, you know, conversations with people, even if I don't know them, with this list of books that I'm dying to try, because I always like the people, yeah. and I always just want to know what they like and what they're interested in. And to be honest, I think that's the biggest hook of your podcast is the fact that not only are you going to hear about a book, but you're going to hear about a book that someone thinks is the pinnacle of books. So like, yeah. I, I know that, you know, it's one of the hardest things about being a reader is there's no movie trailers for the next movie, you know, the, like the next book yeah. you should read and that you can really yeah. rely on. Um, and word of mouth is still the biggest way to, to communicate about books. Like if someone yeah. tells you, you've got to read this book, it's amazing. That is worth 10,000 Facebook ads about that book Yeah, because it's someone right. you know and trust. And, but there's also a scale where esteem for that book registers and yours is every mm. single book that you feature is top level on the esteem chart. Someone thinks right. this is pinnacle. So that already elevates it I, even though it's not a genre i want to read or like even you know if mark comes out and something or if he says the next book he wants to read is, is horror i don't really read horror but if mark says it's the be best book ever yeah you can trust it all right you know i, tr I like mark yeah. i trust mark you know it's not yeah. a genre but I'll, I'll believe you that this is a, a an amazing example of this genre yeah and i love thinking about the authors too not that i have a big platform on my podcast yet um but I love, you know, what we do is so much toiling in isolation and looking at our sales numbers and, and it's very easy to get, to forget that there are people buying the books we write and reading them and thinking about them. I forget that all the time or else I tell myself these stories about, uh, they, they're just being nice. They just mm -hmm. bought it to be nice to me. And I forget mm -hmm. that. These people don't know me. They buy my mm. books because they want to read my book. Yeah. And and I love thinking about, you know, there have been a lot of books of really big-time authors like Ann Patchett, but there have been other books of authors that I think don't have this tremendous following. And I love thinking that, I don't know, maybe they have a Google alert set up and they went and went, oh, this little podcast, someone says my book is the best book ever. Like, that must be the most incredible feeling. And it must feel so, um, it just puts all, it validates so much work because it's very easy. This is such an isolated job. It's just very easy to forget the people consuming our work. 
that there are actual people being moved by the work. So I love that. As an author, I have a real connection to that part of it, too. I love thinking about that, which is also why I will never say the ones that I hated, because there have been a few. Yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna say, unless it's the author is already dead, then I will then I would say it. But <laughs> well, I just thought I mean this you could throw this into your Christmas traditions of things you could do okay. in the Christmas season. Is that okay. the authors that are still alive? If you've done their book that year, you should send them the link to your podcast and say, by the way, this oh. person, this person, this episode, we talked about how your book is the best book ever. Like what a great oh Christmas! If you're God. if you're the author, and all of a sudden you get this random email like that someone thought your yeah. book was the best book ever. We did a whole podcast about it. Like what a nice what a nice way to end the year. Right, right. Oh, that is I'm doing that. That is a great idea. Yeah, I mean, just you know, you have to hope you know they're still alive and around to, to appreciate it. But yeah, um, sure. You know, some some won't be, but but the ones that are, I think they're going to really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Claire's yeah. watching. Oh, and Michelle Hart is watching. Um, Michelle says, like yes, that. Julie, or yes, Julie. And, you get, <laughs> <laughs> and we get, Claire says, uh, yeah, it doesn't count as a conversation if it doesn't include a book recommendation. Love that. See, these Mar- are my people. Marilyn says, eating popcorn and watching. This is good. And uh, yeah, this is, this is, these are all your people. I told you, like, when you said, like, you know, you know, you were, you know, worried about coming on because the amount of the people that are on the show, like, I... I had to tell you, like, no, these are these are our people. These are book people. There's there's no reason to ever to ever worry yeah. that the people that are on they're listening to this show aren't if they're not already fans of Julie Strauss, they're going to be fans of Julie Strauss by, by the end of this. <laughs> oh, thank God! <laughs> as they as they should be. Um, thank you. Yeah, no, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, just just the idea of being able to talk to someone who gets story and gets books on this level and even someone like I'm wowed by someone who reads a book at least every week. Um, have you always been this avid of a reader or is this really, has this podcast really stepped up your reading? No, I've always been, I've always been a very fast reader Mm. and it's the thing is whenever people ask me how I read so much, the thing is, is this is just what I do. And you know, I already told you, it's always been my self-soothing technique, and I don't watch a lot of TV, and I don't mean that in a stupid California hippie mom kind of way, like, <laughs> I really don't, like, TV's awesome, I love TV, but most of the time, you know, when I have the choice, almost every time, I'm, I, would, I will choose a book over TV, yeah. and uh, so, like, the fact that I read a lot means I don't do a lot of other things, Mm -hmm. you know, because this is always my choice of activity. Yeah. Always. And I, and I do also read fast. So it's, it has kind of, that was the other reason I knew I could really keep up with the pace of this podcast. Cause I was already, I have always read one to two books a week anyway. And I knew that, well, the second book every week would be one someone else assigns me which has yeah. been great for my expanding my reading yeah. life. And it has to feel good knowing that like, again, for the same reasons we're interested in listening to the show, that the books you're picking up, someone thinks is top tier. So you, you have a, some yeah. reason you, it's probably not going to end up in your did not finish pile because you're at least curious as to why this person thinks this is the best book ever. You exactly. have a secondary reason uh, behind it. Cause other books that we might just put down. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the odds that someone's going to just recommend a complete stinker, um, yeah, probably low. It might be not your taste, might be not your genre, but exactly. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And speaking of which, uh, I know Claire is watching, so Claire, I definitely chose reading over TV last night, reading your book. Just FYI, I'm just giving you giving you that <laughs> shout out so she knows. That is always a good choice with Claire's books. I yeah. would choose Claire's books over any TV ever. Yeah, I'll have to give, give Claire a shout out. Uh, H. Claire Taylor, check her <laughs> out. Actually, this book, this book is going to be a totally different name, so I, it's not even going to help. But um, <laughs> I can't say anymore. I don't know. I don't know how much she's sharing with who and whatnot, so I'm not. I can't, I can't yeah. talk about it. Secrets, secrets <laughs> and mysteries. Um, but in any case, yeah, no, it is. It's like when you find that good book that's worth 
not watching TV over. Um, it's so much, I think you're right in saying that it is self-soothing. It is, there's something yeah. to be gained from it beyond just storytelling. Yeah, right. It's good for your brain. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, what is your normal day like? As a, like, say, Monday, end of a long day, Monday, we're having a drink, wrapping up yeah. Monday. What did Monday cheers, look like for you? Cheers, by the way. Yeah, cheers. Um, well, I have homeschooled my kids for a long time, so we're used to this whole homeschool mm -hmm. situation. It doesn't normally look like this, because normally we're doing a lot more running around. Um, yeah. My primary job is editing, so I generally spend mornings editing Meanwhile, checking in with the kids, keeping, they're old enough that I don't have to sit with them and teach reading. I'm just kind of keeping everyone on track. Um, and then afternoons are, I, I set aside time every day and, and page counts every day so that I stay on track for each of my best book ever books. So yeah. that's part of my work day, which is very fun. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the thing that keeps me from ever resenting the book. Because that was another real goal is I didn't want it to ever feel like a burden or a chore or homework. And the only way I could think of was doing that was I set up, I usually do it from like four to five every day is my time to read the best book ever. And it, and I tell myself, this is part of my job mm -hmm. and um, it doesn't feel like it's taking away from my fun reading time, my, my personal reading time. But I still get to read a book as part of my job, which, I mean, that honestly is all I ever wanted yeah. for my job. <laughs> what, type of, what type of books do you edit? Are you open to multiple genres or what do you like to edit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? I, well, I like to edit. Um, there's a certain Brock Bloodworth series that I love editing and um, I like romance, and I like um, literary fiction. I like it all. I'm I'm very scared of true crime and horror, so mm. I kind of say, like, if you have an axe murderer, I might not be your person. I think I'm actually good at sci-fi and fantasy because I don't read a lot of that. So I, I really double down on... I didn't understand this, so I reread over and over again because I don't understand how sci-fi worlds generally work mm. because I just never read it. So even though it's not my preferred genre to read, I do enjoy editing it. That's probably really helpful as an editor, too, for, as an author who writes science fiction, to have someone who's coming at it completely fresh, as just right. completely fresh eyes, saying, this right. doesn't make sense to me. You know, and yeah. ch checking where I think my assumptions are what readers and John would know that would be helpful. Exactly. Even if I, even if and you I decided like as the author and say, okay, well this most sci-fi readers will get this. I'm going to go ahead and go with it. Like still knowing where those exactly. areas are would be helpful. And I like to have a relationship with the author as I'm working where I can get with them in the middle of it and go, I don't get this thing. Can you, is this something sci-fi people get? Tell me what's going on here. And then they can say, no, you just don't get that because you don't get science. Or they can say, oh, no, I should have explained that right. And that's a great relationship to have because we can really get into how is this story supposed to be working because it's not working that way for me. How can we make it better? And I like that a lot. Yeah. Are you accepting new clients as an editor or do you have a full schedule? I am starting in 2021. I'm set, full okay. through. Yeah. If, you, if, I people took are, if people are interested in you as an editor, where do they ferret that out how do they send you send you messages there um you can just go to my website juliewroteabook.com my email's on there and i've got all that information there i'm pretty easy to find okay good. yeah julie wrote a book everywhere is right is that the yeah the... julie wrote a book everywhere <laughs> yeah. um what's next uh for you writing wise what are you writing right now so i'm working on a historical fiction fantastic story that I stumbled across. I've been working on it now for three years <laughs> in addition to all the romance I've been writing. And 2020 has been a really illuminating year because I very much was reaching burnout and 
getting very angry at my work and telling myself I hated it. I hated what I was producing. I hated what I was doing. Um, and, and what I realized was I had initially set out to be a multi-genre writer. And I have not been doing that because I got involved in series and, and I loved the series when they were conceived, but um, that was all I did. So I published 10 books and they've all been contemporary romance and I never wanted to do Now I hate it when people say that because obviously I am the boss of myself, <laughs> mm, right, yeah. but I never intended to only do romance. So it has been a, this year being the upended year and there's been so much trauma this year, I kind of put the brakes on everything and said, I'm not doing, I'm not doing this anymore. This is, this is our point as indie writers is we're supposed to be doing what we want to be doing. And I had really lost focus on, of of that. I I had lost sight of that. And um, so I've been sort of slowly piecing through this historical fiction that I love so, so, so much. And the effect that it has had on me is I'm really eager to jump back into my romance series and I'm looking forward to 2021 because I feel okay, now I'm, I'm ready to do this again. I just didn't want to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I always yeah. thought I would be over, spread over several, several genres. And so in that sense, 2020 has been great for me because I stopped everything and sat back and went, I mean, obviously, as we all did, I have to only think about my family right now. That's all that matters is keeping my family safe. And everything else is unimportant to me. And then while I am doing that, just taking care of the basics, I'm also thinking, what do I want the rest of my work life to look like? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to be a writer who's pissed off that I have to, that I'm working on another anything. I don't ever want to dislike my work. I love writing. I love writing. Yeah. And it made me incredibly sad that I was so tired of it. So I feel very energized about it again, that after I finish this um, historical fiction, I've got a, I've got a nonfiction on the, on the docket, and then I'm going to jump back in to finish off the romance series. I'm, and I'm excited about all of it again, which is a fantastic feeling. Yeah, I think that's really solid advice because, you know, what's the point of having the freedom that we have right. as indies if we don't use it you know that's right that's it's one thing being you know manacled to a particular you know book contract if you're a trad pub writer where they only are going to accept certain books from certain genres from you and publish those but we are the publisher right. too we get to make those we need to call those shots and i granted to be fair i would probably be making a lot more money right now if i had stayed in the lane and i'm one of those multi-genre writers <laughs> who writes all over the place because i'm writing what makes me happy and um yeah. you know learning from it every time um so it's not necessarily the best marketing advice if you're going to be a you know a marketer however it's just also no point handcuffing yourself to something that you're miserable in when you have the key yourself you're the one holding the yeah. key to the handcuffs like just do something <laughs> else perfectly put yeah. yeah and uh so yeah i think it's a really good advice because i know people who are incredibly successful incredibly wealthy but they can't get off the hamster wheel because, yeah. and they're sort of miserable. And we're like, well, what have you really achieved yet? I mean, are you, if you can't get off the hamster wheel, like, are you really still successful? You know, so it's like, I don't yeah. know. Right. I, I think there's, there's, everyone has to know where their, what their goals are. And, but ha- a year like 2020 is great for making you step back. And also, of course, the end of yeah. the year, end of the year coming up, we've got, you know, New Year's to think of and things like that. And, you know, it's always a time to reassess. But, mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? You know, what's the right? There are a lot of lot of easier ways to make a buck. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Very few of us actually make a solid living off of this. And I, one of my very first writing partners, Jennifer, um, <laughs> we I think we both had one book out, and we went to lunch lunch one time, and we were chatting about I sold two books or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, she said, honestly, I could get a job at Jack in the Box and make more money than this. And 
so I think that realization, which we laughed about that at the time, but the, the realization of that right from the beginning, I think is really, really good for you mm-hmm. to know that there are easier ways to make money. Most of us get into this knowing that this is not a path to wealth yeah. for the majority of us. <clears throat> so most of us are here because we love it. And if what we're doing is making us hate this work, that's a terrible shame. And I don't ever want to get to that point again. Yeah, absolutely. I could, couldn't agree more. It's the amount of hours you spend um, yeah. thinking about it. It's not just butt in the chair, fingers on the keyboard time. It's also just the, the, the mental space that you spend mm-hmm. on it and the you know, bandwidth. You know, just It's, it's yeah. there. And if you, but if you have that, if you're already spending that energy, there's probably a reason why. It's probably a reason is because you love storytelling and you have to, because if you don't get these stories out, then it's just going to drive you crazy. So, um, I've never been a big subscriber to the whole, like writers are born writers kind of a thing. Or I think it's all learned. I think it's all, I think you can choose your own destiny here, but, um, I don't get very woo woo about writery stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do think that. I do think that there's stuff inside us that we've got to find a way to get it out somehow. We're going to express it one way or another. Um, <laughs> maybe there's more profitable ways to express it. I don't know. But Yeah. Um, I, don't, but I don't know any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. Um, Claire gave, us, gave it, you a shout out. She says, everyone should hire Julie, but not too many people because I still need to be able to book her for my stuff. So, oh. you know. Um, <laughs> The plug from, from, from Claire and uh, so oh, yeah, Claire okay. is an excellent writer and Claire has an excellent editor, obviously. So she is an incredible writer. Yeah, really. I learn from her every single time I work with her. She's really brilliant. Yeah, and which she, is a great benefit of the editing too. Is that I really do learn mm-hmm. every single time, which is I think is the greatest thing about our job. Is I don't think there's such a thing as a master of writing. There, no, there's no. always something to learn. And it, we're so lucky that yeah. we can change it up every time and, and learn every single time we pick up someone else's book. We're going to learn something else, either about what we want to do or what we don't want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a really lucky position to be in for our brains. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I always think that, you know, every time I write a book, that's, you know, a semester at college. Because I... I had to go Ugh. through this thing and I've come out of this. This has been my course in writing this type of book. And at the end of it, I'm that much farther along. So if you've got yeah, you know, 10 good. books out, you know, you're, you're well on the way in your education, but there's still a lot of education left. Um, it's, yeah, un- I don't even have a degree out. yet. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Me either. Me either, which is crazy <laughs> for the amount of years I've spent on this. Yeah. Um, those people writing faster books are getting their education a little quicker. They're on the fast track. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> yeah. But I think that I think that, you know, listening to, to your podcast, um, you know, just having these kinds of conversations is what keeps me going as a writer. Mm. You know, hearing those you know, the way that books move people. Um yeah. that, that's another reason why I think I tune in every week to your to your podcast it's just sort of like that reaffirmation of like yeah books have this kind of power and yeah then, they do unlike anything else i think yeah i'm trying to figure out how to get that power into your book like it's like oh wait how do i, how do, I do that like, <laughs> yeah do that's that's the real question <laughs> <laughs> actually my daughter and i we um we're working on paint by numbers because this is something we do in 2020 whatever and we were sitting there listening today and we were painting together and my favorite musical artist is Elvis Costello all-time favorite basically all I listen to and we were listening to that song watching the detectives and there's a line in it she's filing her nails while they're dragging the lake and every time I hear that line I go oh my god God, I want to write a line like that someday. Yeah. That line, isn't that brilliant? It is, yeah. I have such a vivid image of that in my head, and it says 10 different things to me. Oh, my God. And I, I, to- I just said to my daughter this afternoon, that is my life goal. I just want to write one line like that that makes yeah. people stop in their tracks and go, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. 
Not there yet. I gotta Have finish you considered writing that scene in a book? That'd be, now be a good I am. scene. I feel like that's a good book. I feel like you can base a whole book around that that one line. You yeah. Know, you could just okay. slowly break that out and say, write that scene. I'm doing it. Yeah, it's already <laughs> in my head. <laughs> no, you've already spent enough time thinking about it. You know you know what it I, means to you. Yes. You already know the emotions mm-hmm. you've got associated with it. Yeah. Let's, let's read that scene, Julie. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. No, I, I believe you. I 100% believe you. I am. Yeah. I've got my planner right here that is going yeah. in the 2021 docket. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, Julie, this has been a really fun episode, as I knew it would be, because um, you know, how could how could it not be? But um, thank you, thank you so much for for taking town time out of your your Monday night and and coming and hanging out with me. Thank you, Nathan. It's been a delight. Thank you for calming my nerves this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you'll consider coming back on my show to talk about your second best second book best ever. ever. I, I will. Oh. Ab- I would love to do that. I, I will happily <laughs> be back on any time. And, um, that would be great. If, if it hasn't already been covered, we'll see if see if my second best is still an available option. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. But for for people who are looking to reach out to you, what's your favorite um, you know, social media or way of way of being contacted and, and connected with? Um, you know, the best thing to do is to go. I'm I'm on Instagram a lot. It's the only social media I actually like, and I've got two accounts there. I've got Julie wrote a book and the Best Book Ever podcast account, mm-hmm. and. Um, I have a website, juliewroteabook.com. You can reach me through there. I have Facebook, but I'm terrible at it and I hate it. So yeah. it's usually not a good idea because I miss everything on Facebook. So yeah. I, I respond to other things otherwise. Good enough. Yeah, we'll come hunt you down on Instagram and, and say hello. Yeah, perfect. So, <laughs> All right. Well, Julie, thank you so much. This, is, this has been a blast. Um, thank you, everyone, for watching and for listening and for commenting. Uh, Claire, Michelle. Um, Marilyn and Mark, of course, you know, was on, uh, thank you all for, for commenting and for everyone uh, listening and watching the show. Uh, we appreciate you and we'll see you again next week for another episode. So long. Thank you. Bye.